River Road, you got me running way back home. River Road, you got me running all night long. You got me singing some canal boat song. River Road, River Road, you got me running all night long. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Niner Nuts. I am Dan, here along with the crew. I got James and Eric. Guys, what's up? How's it going? What's up, everybody? How's it going, everyone? Yes, we are taping this on our Victory Monday, as we always tape on Mondays, loyal listeners. Uh, And we are celebrating our sweep of the Seattle Seahawks having defeated them a second time around in three weeks, 28 to 16. The nerdy number stuff that I like to start the show with Brock Purdy again, over a hundred for his passer rating, 122 with a career high, 386 or 368 passing yards, two touchdowns and one kind of sort of not. Eh, it's kind of sort of his fault pick, um, <laughs> but didn't matter in the long run. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, doing his thing 145 rushing yards and only a couple receiving yards um just eight but no touchdowns so reset the touchdown tracker again uh but really the highlight of this game uh our receiving game kittle made the most of his three catches for 76 yards in a tutty brandon Ayuk 126 yards and a fumble that we'll talk about later um <laughs> but then debo samuel lighting it up for a third week in a row, had a rushing touchdown and 150 total yards, including rushing and a receiving touchdown to go on top of that. And then we didn't go against Geno Smith this time. It was a late game time decision change. Drew Locke, we gave up 269 passing yards, two touchdowns, two picks, but we did get to him four times. We shut down the rushing game again, held them under 100 total rushing yards for the game. And we held Lockett and Metcalf under 100 yards this time. Both of them, I think Lockett was at like 98 or 96 yards. But uh, Metcalf, two catches for 52 yards. And honestly, I game respect game. That was a hell of a touchdown grab he had against Ambry Thomas. I just, it was, it, like I say, it was an impressive touchdown catch. <laughs> but we should yeah. have the rest of the game again. And, you know, it wasn't flashy. It wasn't overly spectacular, so to say, except for the splash plays that we had. It was a, it was, uh, it never felt out of hand. Like I wasn't worried. Like the last time when we played Seattle, I wasn't really worried. It was kind of nice to not coast because that makes it sound too easy. We still had to fight, but I don't know. It was a nice, comfortable, easy win. Had some nice splash plays. Uh, and we're a top number one in the NFC thanks to the Cowboys beating the Eagles. So now we're on top of the division and top in the uh, NFC conference. Uh, or my apologies, James. But uh, I we can talk about this after our general reactions to the game. But uh, the injuries are the biggest thing that I took away from this game. We uh, our injury list is pretty notable now, and that does worry me. But um, I mean, that's my general reaction to the game. I'm I'm glad we won. I'm glad it was in control the whole time. But yeah, like I said, the the injuries are pretty concerning to me going forward. Uh, hopefully, it won't affect us come the. Ravens game because I mean it's the Cardinals next week. I'm not that worried about that game, but um, I'll open the floor to you guys. What what did both of you think about this game? Well, uh, before I go on, I have a bit of breaking news uh, that I happened to stumble upon today. So breaking that... news alarm. So 
So yeah, after some deep digging by investigative reporter Trevor, Jake Moody's missed eight extra points in high school. And according to the box scores, his last mixed extra point was on October 7th in the 2016-2017 season against Stevenson in his senior year of high school. Now, I reached out to his coach at the time, Matt Laddick, who refused the comment on whether any of that were blocked, a result of miscue, or flat-out shank, citing superstition as not the jinx Jake in his streak of um, no missed extra points. He even denied the comment on the other seven misses, citing the same reasoning. I have reached out to Jake's agent for further comment, and I am waiting a response. I am also trying to find out who his community youth league coaches. As of this moment, though, I feel confident to say that Jake Moody hasn't shanked a field goal since he started his career as a kicker after quitting the soccer team due to the hesitancy of his high school coach to go on record. This is pending further investigation. This is where now he stands after four made extra points, no field goal attempts. Uh, 47 of 47 for extra points this year. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Like, I I mean, we don't know if uh, if he's shanking or not. Well, hopefully, we, we need you to give us any updates next week once we do have them. And I yes. thank you for, thank you for, I know you've been working on this for quite a while. We've been talking off mic about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I said, you know, uh, his high school, sco- his high school sco- coach uh, was very friendly, very nice guy. Um, but like I said, like he on record, he was only willing to say he didn't want to break Jake's streak by talking about it. Like, uh, he, he, he likened it to a perfect game or a no hitter. Like you just don't talk about it, you know? So, uh, that, that was his, uh, that was his, uh, quote. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, well, now that we've addressed that Jake is still pretty perfect, at least in terms of the field goals, um, what did you uh, what you think of this game in general against the Seahawks? I know you're a little distracted with uh, your Eagles going into a tailspin, but um, you did get to watch our game in full first. <laughs> I did, I did. Um, you know, it was definitely a more competitive game than our game against the 49ers, for sure. Like uh, this definitely didn't get out out of hand. Um, you know, like the like the Eagles game, uh, but. I mean, all in all, it was still an impressive win to sweep the the sea chickens. And yeah, I, you know, I mean, what can you say? The, the You have to say that the 49ers are the best team in the NFL right now. And, you know, Eric said last week that the only team that can beat the 49ers is the 49ers. So. Mm-hmm. Eric, what did you think about this one? Well, I'm going to dovetail off a couple of things that you guys have actually said already. So, Dan, you were talking about the splash plays, and I think that was one of the keys of this game in particular. I think that, you know, one of the one of the kind of the hallmarks of the way the 49ers play and the way that Kyle runs his offense typically is that it's built around sort of, you know, long grinding out, you know, 8, 10, 12 play drives where they kind of march up the field and do their thing. And, and uh, we didn't see that against the Seahawks. Everything against the Seahawks was – a big quick strike, big boom, kind of a shot, you know, the big bomb to Debo, big bomb to George, big bomb to Ayuk, you know, big with a big run from CMC to start things off. Everything was a big explosive play. We must have had 
at least six explosive plays, however, whatever measure you, you count those on in this game. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting aspect of this game is that usually we're a lot more methodical in how we go about piling up the points and scoring and things like that. And, you know, I think if we looked at time of possession, which I was getting ready to look at here, we probably didn't hold the ball as long. Yeah, we were a little behind them. It's pretty even. It's only like a minute and a half off. But, um, well, it's, it's you know, I would have expected us 30 to, to 29. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, still for, you know, as much as much points and stuff as we scored, you would have thought that we would have held the ball longer. And we didn't because we were just hitting those big plays. And and that was an aspect that I was really impressed to see, you know, out of this team. I mean, they've shown it in flashes in other games. We've usually hit maybe one or two kind of big plays in, in every game, it seems like this year, to kind of get a spark when we've needed it. But we've never kind of hit them consistently over and over and over in a game. And we kind of finally did that in this game. And then uh, the other point that I wanted to make off of what, J- what James was saying was that, um, you know, I, Moody hasn't kicked a field goal in like nine quarters. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's been a really long time since he's, he's kicked the ball for us for a field goal. And that's probably now becoming one of my only concerns going into – the playoffs for us is what's going to happen if his foot is on the line for a game winning kick. I mean, we've not been in a position much like we've talked about Brock a couple of times on this show. You know, we haven't seen Brock come back. We haven't seen Brock have to do, do it in the clutch or anything like that. Cause quite frankly, we're just stomping people into the ground week after week. You know, what's going to happen if we get down to a situation like we had against Cleveland where Jake's got to come in and he's got to make that kick to win the game. We haven't seen him do that yet. So I'm going to be, you know, puckered up and just clenched on the couch if I'm sitting there waiting on Jake to come out and hit a field goal to try to win the game because I don't know if he's got the Cones to do it or not. I hope that he does. I think that he does. He should, but we well, haven't seen him do it. So well, that's that's my I mean, worry. I've literally not seen him attempt a field goal since he did a 30 to 30. He kicked somewhere in the 30s uh, three weeks ago against Seattle, coincidentally, and he has not attempted a field goal in two games since. I yeah. mean, I mean to to just sort of defend Jake, uh, reading his high school uh, uh, newspaper clippings, uh, he did hit a 58-yard field goal uh, in his career, in his high school career. Um, I still haven't looked back in his Michigan career when he went to college, see what he hit, what big games if he if he kicked. I, I still haven't seen that. But I mean, dude's got a leg. So, you know, yeah, he has his one high pressure situation uh kick was uh, a miss, but you also look at the weather that day, you know, and it would be it would be hard for anybody to kick in, in those conditions other than Jake Elliott, of course. But yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I was saying yeah. Tucker's no, made a I'm, handful I'm with, of kicks there. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, I, like I said, I'm just, I'm, I'm, we're at the point now where we have to, 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 in my opinion, we have to nitpick things, right? Because I mean, there's so much that this team is doing right that, like, you know, if you're trying to find something to be worried about, or because that's where I'm at now, it's like, okay, we're, we're barring some absolute catastrophe, we're going to make the playoffs. We're going to be the favorite to win the Super Bowl. So what's 
what's going to cause me to worry? What's going to be my what's going to be my thing to to be concerned about for us not getting there? And and that's that's what's going to keep me up at night is can Jake make a kick from 52 yards, you know, with three seconds on the clock to win the game when it comes down to it? I, I think that he can. It's just like we keep talking about Brock. I haven't seen it, so I don't know, you know. I'm going to I'm going to just shoehorn in the the health thing cuz that's what I'm to piggyback off of what's your biggest fear. My biggest fear is our health, especially after this game. Um I didn't see an update because they didn't practice today. Um and sometimes they don't tell us things like that until after they practice on Tuesday, but um but no, our injury list was very bad on defense. On offense we're fine. Like we we can live without um not Brindle, um, Buford. We can live without Buford. Feliciano's a perfectly fine backup. He, Our offensive line is still solid. On defense, though, that list is starting to get a little alarming because Hufunga's out for the year. Uh, we had Odom step out of the game because of a knee injury. Hargrave pulled his hamstring. We don't know to what degree yet, but Hargrave pulled his hamstring. We don't know when Armstead's coming back with his knee and foot injury. And Ward could have a core muscle injury. He could have a pulled groin. Just, it's not, and he left immediately in the game. Like, against the Seahawks, yeah, we were fine. Our, it looked like Oliver did enough to be back in the nickel, and I like Demo on the outside. I know you have reservations about Demo. I love him, though. Um, and Ambry Thomas has come back into his own. But do I want Ward out there instead? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> but no, I. how many... How many starters did I list off there? Like four or five? Because Odom's, uh, when we do have three linebackers out there, Odom is the third one. And he's honestly really, really good. And he's an awesome special teamer. So I'm very worried about that. I don't, I want, we've been so healthy up to this point. I'm terrified of the hamstring injury the most because a hamstring injury can linger and linger and linger. Okay, so that takes Hargrave out. That sucks. Armstead, he already had a foot injury last year if he's, Still dealing with foot stuff this year. That sucks. He's been a massive presence for us. I've already said my piece about Ward and Hufunga. I mean, credit to Brown. Brown has stepped in wonderfully. But just Hufunga with his experience, I I just don't want the back end rested on a rookie, you know? Like, So at least for me, I'll end my tangent. I, I'm very, very worried about these injuries. So, so for me, I guess... I'm worried about a couple of them. Um, I'm worried about Ward. I think we definitely need Ward out there. Um, he's been spectacular as a corner this season. He, I think they were saying last night that he leads the NFL in pass breakup or he's second place or something like that. So, I mean, he's playing out of his mind right now. We definitely need him going. Can we make it through the rest of the regular season without him? Probably. Do we need him for the playoffs? Absolutely. We're going to be facing some top tier receivers in the playoffs. We need him out there for that. Um, you know, uh, Hargrave, uh, I mean, it, it would be great to have him out there, but I think that we have enough talent along the defensive line that I think we're going to be okay. I think we can put – Kinlaw has been playing well this season. He's been doing fine. I think we can put Kevin Givens out there. I think that we can put uh, Farrell out there. I think we've got a number of guys that we can plug into those spots and kind of make up for the the lack of having Hargrave out there. Um, I think Armstead's going to come back. I think they're just sitting him till the Ravens game, quite honestly. I think if it was a crucial game, I think he could probably give it a go and he could play. I think they're just sitting him so that he's ready for the, the home stretch is what I really believe with that. 
I, um, I really hope I, that's the case too. I that's what I've heard too. I just I don't know. I'm so with injuries. Like I just especially because of how bad his foot injury was last year. Like you're telling me he's got a foot injury again. Like just if it's bad, just be honest, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I thought in, in that game last night, I thought Brown played great. I mean, I think oh, yeah. filling in for Hufanga, I think he's playing fantastic out there. He's doing I know we talked about him on the show a couple of weeks ago. He's doing everything that you could ask for a rookie safety to come in and be doing. He got another pick uh yeah. in the game uh today or last night um i think he's he's playing great and filling in just fine so i mean he doesn't really concern me at all so out of all those injuries that you stated ward and armstrong are are the two that i'm the most concerned about and ward is by far uh the biggest concern that i have because losing him is a big step down uh in our cornerback play thomas and uh lenore have been doing well uh but ward's just a notch above them yeah, War, he got injured on his twentieth pass breakup, by the way, because he was entering the game with nineteen, and that was leading the league. Um, sorry, I interrupted you, James. Well, I was just—I I agree with you on on that, Eric. I think Ward is, um, you know, of all the players uh, that you, you know, with um, with Brown um, being so good, you know, filling in for Hufunga and just doing what you know, doing his job that losing Ward is uh, definitely uh, the biggest loss here if he continues to stay injured uh, because you're talking about in this league, you know, you do need a shutdown corner. Like you absolutely need at least one, if not two. Uh, but, you know, and Ward has proven, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't get flashy stats like interceptions and stuff like that. But if you look at his catchable ball rates and things like that, he's, he's definitely one of the better defenders in the league, um, you know, at doing that. And, you know, you look at the job that he, you know, that he did on DJ Metcalf in this game uh, while he was in, I mean, yeah. So I, I agree with you, Eric uh, Ward is going to be a big loss if he continues to, uh, to stay, stay on the sidelines. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, we're going to face CD lamb or AJ Brown again. And I mean, we need him against them. Yeah. No, we we absolutely do. I and I will I will mildly backpedal. I do not at all want to sound like I dis dislike Jair Brown. He has been doing wonderful, especially for being a rookie. That's what I'm trying to say is I just I'm just mildly worried like the one rookie moment, the one welcome to the NFL moment. Like, yes, he did have a pick and I'm probably overblowing it. Uh Ward is the definitely most concerning injury though. Cause no, we do have defensive line depth. I just in two weeks, losing two starters, starters, quote unquote, because we have so many of them. Like, I don't know. Call me a nervous Nelly. Um, I do want to celebrate, though, that this was a good win. <laughs> like, let's talk about the offense for a sec. I mean, I, it's you, you already touched on it, Eric. We did so much splash play versus just clock management and kind of paper cut uh, just little bits and pieces here and there. That was pretty amazing to to watch, honestly. Like, probably my favorite pass was Debo's pa uh, touchdown pass because the play design itself was so perfect. It put Jamal Adams, uh, your pick your poison. It set him up that if he went down, like he did, Debo got behind him or if he floated with Debo, I think that was Kittle going across and Kittle will have gotten at least the first down. But yeah, I just, that's just the genius of Kyle that we've been seeing for seven years. The way that 
he tricks people into putting themselves in those positions where you're going to get burnt one way or the other. And just Debo's just been on fire for the last three weeks. And that was just particularly beautiful. I wanted to shout that play out. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm still critical of Shanahan's aggressiveness. Uh, We talked about this while watching the game at the end of the first half, it was like, you know, 30, 30 some odd seconds. And Kyle was just letting it run out not taking his timeouts you know, to maybe, you know, Seattle was deep in their own territory. They could have forced a punt, probably gotten some decent field position and uh, made a couple of plays to get in the field goal range. And, hey, maybe get Jake Moody to see if he can kick a field goal, you know. And it's it's those types of things that, you know, in tight games and in close games are going to be the difference, you know, whether – whether you decide to do those things or not. Like, I mean, granted, if you keep blowing people out, you keep blowing people out, no one's going to say a word about Kyle's aggressiveness. But, you know, you get into a game with the Cowboys or you get into a game with the Eagles where points are a premium and, you know, somebody's, you know, the Eagles are playing tougher than before or, you know, something happens to you the rest of the season and the Eagles end up with home field advantage. Points are points. And you need to go for as many points as you possibly can. And if you have 30 seconds or 35 seconds at the end of a half when you're at, you know, I mean, like I said, Seattle was deep in their, their own territory. A punt puts them maybe on the other, you know, on the 40 yard line on their own. You, you throw two quick passes to the side. Maybe you get in Jake Moody's 58 yard field goal range that we, he has hit before in his lifetime and get an extra three points because with the NFL in tight games, you need as many points as you can score and, you know, something like that uh, could end up, you know, costing Kyle, you know, something. And we we've talked about before his lack of aggressiveness, especially to go for two points on a PAT, you know, uh, penalty, like, yeah, taking the five yards on the, on the kickoff instead of going for an extra, a point from one yard out. I mean, the risk reward is, is greater in that, you know, what's five yards on the kickoff eight minutes into the game. Like it, it doesn't make sense. And so that's the only thing that, you know, Kyle is lacking uh, in today's NFL to, to win. And I think, you know, in a close game where it's tight in the playoffs, something like that could decide the difference between a win or a loss. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with you. Uh, I did want to give Brock a shout out for a career high in yardage for uh, last night. So uh, that was big for him. Uh, that was awesome to see. Um, I I thought it was really interesting, too. Um, I saw a couple of the analysts and stuff pointed out on on Twitter or X, whatever the hell it's called now. Um, you know, these plays that we're seeing Brock make, it's not really that Kyle is doing anything different. His scheme and the offense that he's calling is the same as it was, you know, a couple of years ago under Garoppolo. It's just Jimmy wouldn't make these throws. I mean, yeah. (laughs) I mean, if you go back and you look at some of the old tape and you look at some of the old all 22 film of highlights of the 49ers and you and you watch plays develop, you'll see guys running open, you know, 20 yards down the field, but you'll see Jimmy throw it, you know, seven yards into the middle to Kittle or seven yards into the middle to Debo or whatever it was that he would do. He just would never, ever throw it down the field. So it's really been, it's really been amazing to see Brock unlock kind of that additional level of potential 
of this offense this season. Like I don't, I don't get like nervous in the chest when he lets one go down the field. Now, like, you know, Jimmy would fire one, you know, and I'm like, Oh geez, what's going to happen? You know I mean? Like it's, it, it's a, it's a 65 35 ball, whether it's going to get picked off or not. And I'm thinking 65% interception when Brock throws it, I'm like, okay, man's whistling it into a hole. You know, we're going to get something big out of this. Um, you know, so it's really, it's really been really cool to see that whole next level ability come about this season. And it's, it's really just brought an explosiveness to this offense that started last season when he came in and took over and it's just carried through this season. I mean, if you start going through all of Brock's stats, which I mean, I don't know if we have time for here, but I mean, he's number one, number two, number three in like everything now. I mean, it's just like, it's ridiculous. So is he I mean, even number he's, three in, is he number three in some stats? Cause last I heard it literally was one, 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 like in like D well, like I mean, e, I, don't know. I think ERA or, or ERA, Whatever, 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 whatever the deep analytic acronym is like literally like I've seen David Lombardi pull a a lot of stats like that up and Purdy legit is number one, like every measurable metric for a quarterback this year, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he was if he was anything other than the last pick in the draft, there would be no question. Everyone would be giving him all the props in the world and and be all over him. And he would be doing subway commercials and all sorts of stuff. But, you know, the fact that he's the last pick in the draft, everybody's sleeping on him so far. But, you know, well, if I mean, uh, that's John's fault, because if John knew he was going to be this good, he should have drafted him in the first round. <laughs> I mean, that's, Why? You could, no, that's John. So smart. He drafted him. Oh, last. He got John the maximum value for him. Exactly. John <laughs> knew he could get John away with a seventh lucky. rounder. What's that? I was saying that's exactly it. John knew that he could get away with a seventh rounder for him. I, I mean, no, that's that's a lucky pick. Just like the Tom Brady pick is a lucky pick. Because if you thought that Brock Purdy was going to be anything in the NFL, you pick him with your very first pick, not with the last pick of the draft. The last pick of the draft is just like a guy who might end up on the practice squad or, you know, somewhere on the roster, you know, holding the clipboard. you Nobody's expecting that guy to come in and play like Brock Purdy is playing. Nobody's expecting that. Like, true. No. I saw a quote from John, uh, not John. I saw a quote from Kyle that said, yes, I liked him, and but we liked Nate too. And I thought Brock was going to be a solid practice squad addition, but he beat Nate, he beat Nate for the job. And then, uh, I mean, that's where the quote in, but, the, but then we know where the story went you want to talk about taking advantage of your opportunity, the the preparation meets the opportunity. Like, oh my God, literally this has been a Cinderella story for the past year and change, almost two years. We're about to see Brock go on another playoff run and maybe he can actually get over the hurdle this time or at least not have a, Ter- uh, catastrophic injury <laughs> i mean this is this is going to bring a lot of questions out like you know what would have happened if trey lance didn't get injured and jimmy garoppolo didn't get injured like what would have happened to brock party you know and you know it's the same like tom brady question like would tom brady have ever gotten in if drew bledsoe didn't get injured would bill belichick be anything if drew bledsoe didn't get injured you know and you know that's where the story is starting to build with this this Brock Purdy and so like the next step is you know can he you know like Eric said yeah you know come back in a big game but even if I mean even so can he go out there and win that big game the NFC championship game get to the Super Bowl 
and win that. That's, you know, that's also lacking on his resume only because he's so young. He only, he's only had one postseason to, to do this and he got injured in the, in the big game. So we'll have to wait and see um, if he's got the next gene to go out there and, you know, do things that will, you know, win ball games in January and February. The potential. Well, is... if you, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dan. Go ahead, Dan. I was, I was going to say the potential is there. We've seen him the in the uh, the high stakes wild card game that Seahawks turned into. Like we pulled away, but that was pretty tight. The Cowboys game was very very tight. That came down to literally one terrible call from um, what's his face that. <laughs> I forgot their offensive coordinator's name. That came down to one more. call. Tell him more. Yeah. Yeah. That came, that, but really that came down. Yeah. We can laugh at it now that that was your last stand against the, the Niners. Let's not remember. Let's remember the other 59 minutes and 50 seconds leading up to that play. It came down to one dumb play that they picked the worst one to do. Like, yeah. So he's been battle. Te- he's been battle tested. And that's what makes me so mad. We didn't get to see the real duel. Because we don't know. It could have turned out like this game when we played you guys and we blew you out of the water. It could have been as nail-biting as the Dallas game. But we'll never know until we play you guys again in the NFC Championship. Like, regardless if it's in Philly or in San Francisco. Or playing the NFC Championship, you know, again. Like, like, you know, I mean, if Purdy goes out there and, you know, throws for 300 yards, you know, four touchdowns in the NFC Championship game, you're like, okay, he's – He's pretty big, you know, going into a game like that and performing, um, you know, but that's that's like the next level for him. You know, he can he won in the wild card round. He won in the divisional round. Now, can he take the next two steps and take the next two and make those leaps? You yeah. know, because you're talking about as you go on, the lights get brighter, the stakes get bigger. And, you know, like, I mean, I, I'm just saying like, we've seen that a lot of teams can win in the, in the divisional round and still not make it. I mean, you look at the, uh, the 2000 to uh, 2002 Philadelphia Eagles or 2001 to 2004, where basically they had one, went to three straight NFC championship games and couldn't get over the hump. And that was the talking point, you know, coming into the 04 season was, we need, can this team get over the hump and get to the Super Bowl and win it? And basically that's where we're at with Purdy because we don't know. We don't know. And so once we get there, we'll see how he does with a full NFC championship game if they get there, which I think they will. Um, you know, I, I with the way things look now, like I don't the Ravens game is the only game that probably worries me with the Niners where they might lose. And I'm looking forward to that game just to see if y'all slip up. Um, you the know, Rams but- took the Ravens into <laughs> overtime in Baltimore. I got so I don't, yes, the Ravens still won, but they won on the flukiest overtime punt return touchdown. The fact that they had to go to overtime in Baltimore against the Rams really gave me a lot of relief, even though, yeah, they still won, but it, it remind it reminded me. Oh yeah, remember when you were complaining about them a month ago, playing down to some opponents? Those Ravens are still there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they're going to play the 49ers and they're going to play big. I mean, look at what they did against the Lions. The Lions came in there 
you know, uh, ready to roll, you know, like because they wanted to prove themselves. And yeah, oh, the, and they kick their teeth in. Yeah, no, yeah I they kick their teeth in. So you don't know what you're getting from the Ravens. And if they play up or down to their competition, uh, you're talking about maybe a, a game that goes to a Justin Tucker field goal. And, you know, what's going to happen there. So, uh, Eric, your yeah. comment, your comment, yeah, because we kind of stepped on you there. <laughs> oh yeah, no, 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 no. That was that was great. I love listening to you guys. No, it's the whole fun of the show. Uh, <laughs> we all agree though that if Brock if if Brock wins the next four games, he's NFL, he's NFL MVP, right? There's nobody yeah. that's going to catch him, right? Yeah, yeah, Brock yeah. wins the next four games. I'm already yeah. there personally. I just I'm just I'm I'm diehard on the analytics side of this vote though. But yeah, no, if he. There's no reason he shouldn't if he doesn't win the if he wins these four games. I I would yeah. say, I would say even if he drops one, you know, if if he sort of drops one but looks good in the win, you know, like let's just say there's a shootout with the Ravens, you know, like just air yards, air yards, air yards, you know, between the teams, and he just loses by like three points or something. Like there's still a world where he could not win out, but he could still be number one in everything, and you know. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he can win the MVP. Like, you know, he can win the MVP. I I want the Super Bowl MVP to be somebody on the Eagles. So, you know, it's we've seen that it's very rare for the uh, NFL MVP to win the Super Bowl. So he can win the MVP all he wants if he if he wants. Tell that to the guy that beat you last year. (laughs) I mean, I, I, I it was it was Patrick Mahomes, yes, and. Patrick Mahomes was, you know, literally a defensive hole call away from not winning the Super Bowl. So, yeah, it's it's rare because before him was Kurt Warner, you know, and how long ago was that? That was in like 1999. So it's very rare nowadays for the NFL MVP to uh, to win the Super Bowl. So Brock wants to win the MVP. Go ahead. Win it. Uh, Like, I mean, I I want championships that's what i want I, yeah what a story to be last pick in the draft and be nfl mvp though right i mean that's crazy I, I mean i mean if right now like there's like there's no for me there's no question that he's he's the best mr irrelevant that has ever played like, <laughs> they, they he's, he's better than half of the number one draft picks ever that have played <laughs> That's true. That's true. Like he's better than Jamarcus Russell, Ryan Lee, like all those that were, you know, that played and busted out. And you're right, Eric. He, you know, you look at, you know, where you draft number one quarterbacks in the top round. Maybe fifty percent of them pan out to even be anything in the NFL, let alone a Hall of Famer. So yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, Brock is really playing like that, and. You know, if he wins NFL MVP, I mean, there's no argument that um, – for me right now, there's no argument that he's the greatest Mr. Irrelevant that's ever played. But, you know, if Ryan Suckup, if we if you really want to put a kicker up there, <laughs> say, like, he has more of a career. Well, I mean, I it's don't the, know. It's crazy. It really is crazy. Like, the fact that – yeah, like, we no, the ultimate goal, obviously, is the Super Bowl and all that, but – but no, if you just look at it as an objective statement, a Mr. Irrelevant is seriously getting considered for MVP his first full year as a starter, his second overall in the league. 
can we just take a minute to appreciate how freaking amazing that is <laughs> that he's our yeah. quarterback? Like, yeah. it's one of those nice little reminders every now and then. Like when I look up at that, uh, like if, when I look up at the Green Bay picture, and like, yeah, like I guess I'm not trying to get into that complacency. The like, like when we, like when I talked about when we lost to the Browns, like, oh yeah, this is what a loss feels like—a whole, a complete team loss, not a catastrophic, catastrophic injury loss. Like this is what a team loss feels like, but. But at the same time, like this team isn't this team is so good. Like this was going to be this will be so disappointing if we don't get there. Like it's how the stars are so aligned. Like it's it's going to be heartbreaking because the story is going to be how we had a perfect storm. The cap were just right. We had all this talent in just the right positions and it all was gelling so well together. Like. Yeah, that would just be so sad if we couldn't add the Super Bowl as the cherry on top of what's been going on for the past seven or even like just since 2019 when we lost that Super Bowl. Like, it's just wild. Yeah. Just... And, and look at the reason why you lost that Super Bowl because you didn't have a quarterback that could could throw a deep pass because if you Jimmy, had a quarterback. If you had Jimmy a quarterback... G needed the person to be open. He was not an anticipatory quarterback. And seeing the way Brock Purdy plays, that's exactly what – Jimmy Garoppolo was not as I wear his jersey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we, yeah. we're all singing a different tune. Maybe this podcast doesn't even exist if Jimmy hits that pass. Maybe we don't know Eric if Jimmy hits that pass. You know, <laughs> it, it's quite, you know, it, it, it's quite the, you know, anomaly that you got a quarterback that can hit that pass, you know, in the Mr. Irrelevant spot. And like, it's just. They- was supposed to be ahead of him was supposed to <laughs> <laughs> well i told i told it's you Nate would get cut like i didn't see him you know i didn't see him being the uh the backup so i oh no I, by the by the second preseason game i was agreeing with you that brock already looked a lot better than nate yeah yeah nate nate subfield was in philly for a little bit and his best pass was only his first pass which you know <laughs> Ironically, came to like one of the worst drop passers in the league. He his first his first pass in the league was a touchdown to Nelson Aguilar. Like two guys are your list is like these guys suck. <laughs> like, that is so funny. Like, you know? So yeah, that's that was his that was his first pass. That was his best pass. Everything after that, yeah, you, I I don't want to remember. So. Oh, dude. Well, okay. Here we go. I just, guys, uh, this has been a good recap. Not, I, it's kind of nice when we can just kind of, there's not so much to like, the worst thing that we had to worry about is injuries and if Moody's going to kick okay. I think that's a pretty good week in the books, honestly. So I would I say think, so. <laughs> so I think with that carrying uh, to the end of the show, I need to talk about our sponsor real quick RoyalRetros.com. What is RoyalRetros.com? It is your go-to place to get an authentic throwback jersey. Right now, 49er fans, we got the Candlestick Collection. Uh, there's a lot of cool Niner-centric things there. There's a couple Giants, uh, baseball Giants uh, items in there as well. If you find something that suits your fancy, throw it into your cart and use the promo code SHADYSPORTS to get 10% off of your entire order. Not just the one item, your entire order. Again, it's that promo code SHADYSPORTS you see there on the screen. Go get yourself an authentic throwback jersey today at royalretros.com. Again, the promo code is Shady Sports. James, let the people know about our little charity. 
Well, before I go on, just so you guys know, Royal Retros is just not only a San Francisco uh, apparel place. They have apparel from all over uh, the history of football, baseball, and all of that. They have Negro League uh, uniforms. They have the old school USFL uniforms. So it's not just the candlestick collection that they have, but they also have other items as well. Yes, thank you for that. Uh, I usually say that, but thank you for covering my butt on that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and so going on with what Dan said, guys, if you've read recently in the news, you probably haven't because it hasn't really been big news because it's not pushed forward by the NFL. But in the news, we've had a Houston Texans minority owner charged with very serious sexual crimes in Kentucky. And then we've had Jed York, the COO of the 49ers, uh, being sued in a civil lawsuit for insider trading from a company that was helping kids cheat on tests and exams uh, during the pandemic. And why do we bring this up? Well, because the NFL has said uh, in quotes from the NFL that owner standards are supposed to be higher than player standards. But yet just recently in the news, we had Von Miller allegedly, uh, you know, in a domestic violence situation with his pregnant girlfriend, like we knew before the warrant was served, uh, <laughs> the news was. And here, the Houston, Texas minority owner, we don't hear anything until basically uh, news uh, comes out about it, you know, from some other source than the NFL. So, what we are saying is really owner standards are less than player standards, and we need owner accountability. So, we need that to go viral. Uh, retweet our pin tweet on Twitter uh, or X, if you call it that. But we want that to go viral. And to show you, we put our money where our mouth is. We are selling T-shirts to go to a Kentucky crisis center. Here is our statement. Owner standards are less than player standards. Hashtag owner accountability. That is the statement we are trying to make. You can get that in all different colors, different sizes. $22.99 starts you at a T-shirt. Next, we have our owner standoff shirt. Uh, this is Dan Snyder in a, in a standoff with some of the other owners. This is our charity shirt that we brought out for the Dan Snyder campaign, and we're bringing it back for this. $22.99 gets you that in the T-shirt uh, as well. Next, we have our podcast logo art. Basically, you'll find this on when you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or even YouTube. You'll see this as our profile pic. You can get it on the T-shirt for $22.99 or get it on something else for a little bit higher of a price, but we have different options at different prices for that. Next, we have our podcast logo art. That is the alternate logo. Uh, you can get this in different color, different styles, different sizes. $22.99 gets you that uh, in a T-shirt as well. And then finally, we have our mascot, our Niner Nut Peanut eating peanuts while on a couch cheering for his San Francisco 49ers. Debo, you listen to the show, wear this shirt for us, give us exposure, uh, let those owners know that their standards are not where they're supposed to be. And yes. you can get them at bonfire.com by Googling Niner Nuts Apparel. Yes, and like James said, we don't want any money from these shirts. We want you to have a cool shirt and at the same time help a family in need. Um, what I'm doing, I'm trying to, I want to give credit to the actual person that wrote 
this and Bing sucks. I can't find the actual story. I don't want to waste too much time on it. But the only thing I want to shout out in the news, um, especially because a lot of it is just about the Bills and the Giants or the Packers and the Giants about to play right now and someone else is. I don't care. I'm not watching the games tonight. But um, <laughs> but no, the <laughs> the only thing in the news that I want to shout out to close out the show is Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott, greatest motivational speaker of all time. I <laughs> Did you guys see that when I texted you guys what, what happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, did, I did see that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Guys, I obviously am joking. But if you haven't, I'm try, I was trying to give credit to the person that wrote. Uh, they did a write-up about uh, Mike McCarthy that went viral last year, too. So this writer is awesome. But, um, but yeah. Man, Sean, I, I admire Sean McDermott's uh, uh, motivational speaking skills. That's just really impressive how he tried to motivate his team. And I highly encourage all of you to Google what it was, because I don't know if you two would enjoy me reiterating what he said on Mike. <laughs> no, I, yeah. you know, honestly, you know, to not be able to think of a better way to motivate your team by saying, you know, by saying people communicated and use good teamwork, like, I mean, there's plenty of examples. There's plenty of examples. Why do you have to use that one? Like, why do you have to use uh, that? Probably the worst thing you could have used to to encourage teamwork and communication. It's uh, it's so it's not just the it's not just the the 9/11 one. It's the 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 Niagara Falls story too was just equally as funny. I just I'm I'm still la crying laughing thinking about it now. Just how amazing that is the fact that the that he stood in front of all uh with the practice squatters uh all 70 some of them and with a straight face told them both of these stories it's god it's amazing it's so that was hands down one of my favorite uh off the field stories i've ever read for the nfl it was so funny yeah <laughs> anyway that's that's all i got for the news i just encourage all of you to find this sean mcdermott uh story it's a really fun read well with that being yep. said Eric, do you have anything else? Uh, the only thing that I saw was Herbert's out. He's going to have surgery on his finger, so he's probably done for the season. Bye-bye, Chargers. We get the great matchup of Easton Stick and Aiden O'Connell on Thursday night football this week, though. Yeah, buddy, can't wait for that. <laughs> I was really hoping. I saw the Charger logo on my phone, and I was really, really hoping it was uh, Staley getting fired. Like, I was really nope. hoping that was the update, yeah. not Herbert broke his hand or his finger. Yeah. Yeah. So he's probably done for the season. So, but that's the only big NFL news that's coming around. The other interesting thing, it's not football related, but um, you guys saw the thing about Otani's going to the Dodgers, right? Yeah. I saw his contract too. His contract is. <laughs> yeah. They're going to defer. No, they're going to defer $680 million of that deal. He's going to get paid $2 million a year. They're going to defer $68 million a year of his deal. Yeah, I saw that. Amazing. It's, it's, isn't that, isn't that crazy? We're for from 2034 to 2043, he will be getting paid $68 million a year to basically <laughs> do nothing. Like, that's yeah. Shout, shout out Bobby Bonilla. I, yeah. But, I, you know, I, just, I, I, I up your Bobby Bonilla day with a Sohei Otani day. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But honestly, like, I think it's BS given the fact that the San Diego Padres tried to give Soto a contract and tried to do 
tried to do so many, tried to push out the money over so many years so that it could come under the luxury tax or they wouldn't have to pay the luxury tax. And Major League Baseball said no, but they're kind of quiet on these Dodgers. I mean, come on, $70 million. How much does that push them over to the luxury tax? Like that, it's just, it's unfair to the smaller clubs, is, is my opinion. But that's oh yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it's completely unfair. It, though, if any What's team that? could afford it, it's the Yankees. The Yankees could have afforded it. Obviously, the Dodgers can afford it. What are the two most brandable baseball teams in the league? Yeah, the Dodgers two and the Yankees. Teams are two biggest markets. I'm sure, like the Yankees, probably weren't smart enough to think of something like that. But and <laughs> even if they did, like it should be cause for concerns because you're setting a bad precedent. You know, the reason yeah. why the luxury tax is there is because when a team signs a big player with a big contract, that the big team shells out some money to the smaller team so that they can compete and have some parity and things like that. But obviously, you know, who knows? This is – but, you know, good for the Dodgers because they'll probably be out of the, the divisional round in the playoffs anyway. So, <laughs> Right. Exactly. All right. Well, I know it wasn't football related, but I just I was, you know, because the football it's it's so fascinating to me because the NFL salary cap is is so much tighter than obviously the Major League Baseball cap or even the NBA cap. The NBA cap is so ridiculous itself as well. So I just thought it was a really fascinating aspect that they were just like, oh, yeah, we're just going to kick basically 98 percent of his contract down the road for later and see you later. It'll be fine. I was just like, wow, I wish we could do that with all the football contracts. Like, oh, no problem, Ayuk. We'll just pay you five hundred thousand dollars this year, and we'll kick to twenty million down the road for later. No problem, <laughs> dude. If yeah. only that's, if only that's. Yeah. No, that's it was a that is a big enough story. I'm okay with it being on this football podcast because that was pretty big just for the world of sports. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And guys, keep keep in tune for the Jake Moody story. It is an ongoing story. We will come back to you with more once we have more information. With that being said, outro music, River Road, Justin Muir. Yep, we'll catch you later this week and beat the Cardinals. River Road, you got me running way back home. River Road, you got me running all night long. You got me singing some canal boat song. River Road, River Road, you got me running all night long. River Road, where have all the women gone? Have they kissed her hand and waved you bye-bye? Have they thought about crossing your double yellow lines? River Road, they love the way you whine and cry.